Hi there, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and across the Six Nations as Europe's elite go head-to-head in rugby's oldest international competition. Each week, we'll be looking at the QBE predictor, which forecasts the results of each round of matches. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe now and download wherever you get your podcasts. As always, thanks for listening. ES Audio. From the Evening Standard in London, I'm Rochelle Travers and this is The Leader. Warning, this episode contains accounts of bereaved families from COVID, which some listeners may find distressing. George Shubinsky. Simon James Cole. Sylvia Ivy Jean Harris. Bereaved loved ones there outside the COVID-19 inquiry reading out the names of just some of the 220,000 people in the UK who lost their lives. April Close. Joyce Thomas. It's been over three years since a global health emergency was declared and the country went into its first lockdown. The UK recorded one of the world's highest death tolls from COVID and now it's time for answers. As people arrived at the hearing centre today, they found a dignified vigil of bereaved family members holding photographs of their loved ones. Their grief was obvious to all. It is on their behalf and on behalf of the millions who suffered and continue to suffer in different ways as a result of the pandemic that I intend to answer the following three questions. Was the UK properly prepared for a pandemic? Was the response to it appropriate? And can we learn lessons for the future? Chair of the inquiry, Baroness Heather Hallett there, giving her opening statement. It will take at least three years to fully understand what happened. But at the heart of this investigation are documents, WhatsApp messages and bereaved families waiting to know the truth. Tristan Kirk is the Evening Standards Courts Correspondent. Well, this is a really important day for everybody affected by the pandemic, uh, not just the people who sadly lost loved ones to the virus but to everybody else who was affected by lockdowns by the impacts on businesses schools daily life this is the start of a a major inquiry that's going to last at least three years evidence heard over uh, several months spanned out until 2026 and several reports being delivered at the end of it so that we can really get to the bottom of of what happened uh, and why it happened Tristan, just how will this inquiry work exactly? The inquiry has been split up into six different modules to look at different aspects of the the pandemic, the planning that went into tackling a, a pandemic of this kind, the impact it had on various different areas of society, and the decisions that were taken at the heart of government and in health bodies and, and other major state organisations. The first module is looking very much at what happened before January 2020. So the position that there was in the UK in terms of preparing for any pandemic, not just the one that we were struck down with. And so we'll be digging into how the health organisations were set up, what kind of government policies were in place for dealing with a pandemic, 
and what kind of thought was put into what would happen to uh, all aspects of society in the event that we needed to lock down, needed to control the population and to try and stop the spread of a virus like this. Baroness Haller is leading the inquiry. Who is she exactly and why was she chosen to be the chair? Yes, yeah, so, well, Baroness Hallett is, is a very uh, well-respected person within the, the, the legal community. She's a retired judge, sat in the Court of Appeal. Very uh, lengthy and, and highly respected career in the law. Um, she, As with public inquiries tend to be, she's um, been selected as a, as a retired judge, somebody who can manage this kind of what is a really massive uh, undertaking and can bring a, a sort of a dispassionate view to all the evidence, be able to distill it down into a report that will deliver its recommendations and, and be really helpful for us in the future. Um, she's been selected by the government. This is a government set up inquiry. It's uh, set the terms of reference, which are very wide. And so she's the one who's been charged with, with bringing it all together, dividing it into the modules and and making it make sense for the rest of us. And the public are being invited to contribute to the COVID-19 inquiry, aren't they? The public have been in- invited to to contribute. I know there are there are several groups of bereaved families and uh, people particularly closely affected by COVID who wanted to see more involvement of families and, and the bereaved in the first stage of the inquiry. But at this, at this stage, uh, the inquiry is asking for people to contribute either online, over the phone, or at various different community meetings that have been set up around the UK to share their experiences so they can feed into the overall picture. But to be honest, the the, the first stage of the inquiry is dealing with things that happened before anyone was actually affected by a pandemic. So they're really looking at the way that government policy was set up and the way that um, systems were designed. They'll be looking at... um, you know the the pandemic plans that were in place that that were maybe more to focus towards uh, influenza rather than a, a covid type virus they'll be looking at uh, the impact of brexit on the government's preparedness for other kind of eventualities uh, and they're going to be looking at the way that the health system as as a whole was set up and whether it was ready for this kind of um, mass public health crisis Let's go to the ads. Stay there to hear more from our courts correspondent, Tristan Kirk, about what the potential repercussions of the inquiry could be. Spin your passion into a business of Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Welcome back. Still with me is Tristan Kirk, the Evening Standards Courts Correspondent. Tristan, you've been across everything happening in court on the first day today. What are some of the key standout moments so far? Well, this is this is a difficult day and, and is going to be a difficult time for the government, uh, not just this government, but for past governments, because it's going to there's going to be a lot of scrutiny of, of how 
the the people that we trust to keep us safe and ready for this kind of crisis, how they had plans in place or indeed how they didn't have plans in place. The barrister for the inquiry was outlining in his opening address today how the government and, and by definition, the country was largely taken by surprise by the arrival of the COVID-19 virus and the spread of a pandemic, of how the plans that were in place were perhaps out of date, were not fine-tuned for uh, the spread of a disease like COVID, how there was a very, very muddled setup within the, the NHS and with the health service and with public health, and how th- there was apparently no very little thought had gone into what we would do in the event of uh, a pandemic and being struck down by this kind of a crisis. And I, I mentioned Brexit, and that is uh, going to come into focus during these hearings, because a lot of time, energy and finances have been put into the, the possibilities of a no-deal Brexit that we'll all remember from 2018. All of the, the melodrama that was going on over Brexit and how that would happen appears to have swallowed up large amounts of our resources and 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 the, the state was focused on that and and may well have lost focus entirely on other types of crisis that we might that we always need to be prepared for and and we always need to continually plan and update our plans for there was also a video with some of those who've been most impacted by covid we can actually hear a clip of that now when we lock down at work you know i said we need to take this seriously to my chief executive we're going to know people that die from this. But I never thought for a minute it'd be my dad and my sister five days apart. It happened all very quickly. Within seven days, my mum was gone. Just like that. We missed it. We missed it completely for the few days that mum was not well. What was the reaction to that video? Well, it's a, it's a strong reaction, as you'd, as you'd expect from a, a video as, as powerful as, as that. Uh, um, it was a video that was about 17 minutes long, featured a selection, a, a handful of people who have been particularly affected by the COVID pandemic, who've lost loved ones, and they were describing their pain, suffering, loss, uh, and for some of them, their anger and confusion at the way that things happened. It was intended to be a video that represented the, the obviously the vast number of people who've who've gone through similar uh, situations over the last uh, two or three years, and just just to represent the kind of suffering that people have endured. Um, some people left the inquiry room whilst that was happening, not wanting to watch a video for for understandable reasons, because it's um it's it's bringing up all kinds of emotions and pain that they've they've gone through. Uh, and and just watching it, it's 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 it was powerful stuff, and and it was upsetting, and it was impactful because these are people who were watching online as their loved ones were. Were, were passing away, who were denied access to hospitals or to care homes. They were told that their loved ones had died and their personal possessions were going to be incinerated by the hospital. They were given a confusing picture of of, of how the rules worked and, and they were kept away. So there's all kinds of issues there that, that will, over the, the next months and years, 
come out through the inquiry and, and there will be some of that evidence i think brought forward but um, on specific topics this was intended to to just give a a small flavor of of the the raw emotion that there still is around covid and and, and this inquiry uh, it, it must also be added that there's a strong view amongst the the, the groups of um, bereaved families that are represented at the inquiry that there should be more of that evidence um, at, at the outset, at the forefront. So there was, there was a vigil staged outside the hearing centre, essentially protesting at the fact that Baroness Hallett has not decided to call a lot of the witnesses that they suggested should be part of the first phase of the inquiry. And they say that, you know, that they should have been allowed to deliver pen portraits of, of their loved ones and the people that they've lost. I mean, it's a difficult balance for, for Baroness Hallett because she's keen to recognise that uh, the people who died are at the heart of this inquiry and they're very, very important to, to what's being discussed. But ultimately, she's she's got a, a timetable to to stick to and wants to get to, to those important recommendations as fast as possible uh, and so wants to focus in on what the inquiry is actually asking and what it's actually looking at rather than spending a large amount of time on on things like pen portraits it is a difficult balance and it's hard to say whether she's got it right but at the moment there's 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 that tension in the inquiry as to whether the the families of the bereaved are are truly at the heart of the process just what are the potential repercussions from the findings of this inquiry well this i mean this is this is incredibly widespread as as in inquiries go and as you would expect uh, after the kind of major event that we've suffered over the last few years the first stage is going to be looking at the uk's preparedness as i've said and so i think we can expect a, a series of recommendations in the first report about how britain should prepare in the future it was certainly hinted today that uh, we may well need to devote more of our time and resources and, and finances to preparing for the next pandemic, as terrifying and as depressing as that might sound. All the evidence and from the health professionals is that, that you know this kind of thing will happen again in the future, and there will be future crises for us to deal with, and, and we shouldn't be as perhaps complacent as we we were before COVID struck. So that's, I think, what we can expect from the first stage. And then the second stage, we'll move on to the, the detail of what actually happened in the first wave of the pandemic. So March 2020 and those first few months. And it will look in a lot of detail of what exactly the government did. And that's when the focus will really swing on to uh, Boris Johnson's government, Matt Hancock, the likes of Dominic Cummings, those kind of figures that we all recognise from the early stages of the, the pandemic. And we'll be looking at lockdowns, uh, eat out to help out scheme, and the, the financial furlough support that was put forward. So th there's a lot to come in this inquiry. And, and, and it'll, it, as I say, it's been broken down into different phases so that there can be different focus. But at the moment, we're looking on what we should do somewhat depressingly in the in the event of the next pandemic before we'll move on to looking at what we did, just did in this pandemic. Find out more about the COVID-19 inquiry on our website, standard.co.uk. And that's it from this episode of The Leader. This podcast is back tomorrow at 4pm.